Hi everyone, welcome to this new episode of the Players Lounge, the tennis podcast that focuses on the mental aspect of the game. My name is Jennifer Megan, I am a former professional tennis player and I launched this podcast because I wanted to create a space in which tennis players could find tools and solutions in order to improve their mental skills. But this podcast is not only for tennis players, it is also for parents and coaches whose ambition is to help their children and players to reach their full potential. If you are a regular listener to the Players Launch podcast, thank you so much for your support. If you are new on the pod, welcome. And at the end of the episode, I would really appreciate if you could leave five stars or a comment on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. It will really help me to grow the visibility of the podcast, but also grow the Players Lounge community. And if you like what you hear, don't hesitate to share this episode with someone that you think this might be valuable to. If you're not on Apple Podcasts and if you're not on Spotify, no worry. You can listen to this podcast on Google Podcasts, Deezer, Amazon Prime, and basically any podcast platform. All right, folks. US Open 2022, that's a wrap. And the least we can say is that it was an incredible, incredible tournament. I will spend time to to dedicate an episode to Serena's retirement and um, how, um, you know, I mean, the legacy that she that she's left behind, uh, behind her. But today I want to focus on Iga Jantek and Carlos Alcaraz. I want to talk about these two because I think that they have very big similarities and that their mental strength at this age is something to, to talk about because it's, uh, it's quite exceptional. So in this episode, I will, I will speak about the similarities in their mental approach of the game that I've seen uh, re- watching them over the past couple of months and especially during this tournament. So let's get started with their physical strength. And when I say physical strength, I'm not talking about, you know, um, being muscular and being very big or heavy, because when you look at them, you can tell that that's not the case. What I really want to talk is the physical impact that they have. And why I want to talk about the physical impact that both Iga Jontek and Carlos Alcaraz have is because I want to talk about how when you build your physical strength, Uh, it can serve your game identity. And that's really the first point I want to focus on. When we watch Carlos Alcaraz or Iga Sviantec, one of the things that really um, is screaming throughout the screen is how fast they are. It's their speed. It's very something that I was super, super, super impressed with when I was watching them. And I'm going to start with Alcaraz. We've seen him uh, throughout this tournament, of course, showing a lot of resistance because he was able to, of course, come, you know, play many matches, many, many four set matches, finishing uh, his games at two after 2 a.m. and still coming back two days later and to be able to perform at a higher level and, and, and to win the title. 
But also what was very uh, striking to me was his speed, how fast he's on the court. It's very hard to hit a winner against him. He, he, can, he can move from side to side, but he's also very able to move forward. And I think that's, that's something that you, we really want to focus on. His game is, is so creative. It's super aggressive. And you can tell that really he's like a beast. Like he's, he's always willing to, to go faster, to put intensity um, in his game and, and in his shots. But that's because he's able to do that because he's... His physical ability is um, is amazing, and uh, when you listen to his agent um, Albert Molina, who was also David Ferrer's um, agent, you can he, he talks about how they they built um, morphology training around Carlos Alcaraz. When um, he joined the academy, he was 15, and and has his coach Juan Carlos Ferrer said he was uh, thin like a spaghetti, and they had to build. Um, a physique around um, around uh, around this very aggressive game. So you can tell that you know uh, in in the past four years. I mean, he, he was very thin, and he and he's not like the heaviest player. But you can you can see that how they use a lot of explosive uh, drills, a lot of footwork. I mean, his feet are so fast. Like it's it's honestly very it's almost sick. And then when you watch videos of him training, you can see that of course you know there is the the um, the strength and resistance to be able to to have the mess the muscle energy to to put that speed but um and a lot of jumps and that's something that you can you can see um and you can watch when he's on the court um something very similar with Iga Jantek she is so fast on the court and when i was watching the final against Anjabor so something really um stood out it was the fact that she was in control of the middle of the court it seems that i was watching the game and Anjabor is a player who was able to be very creative as well was able to use angles to to put uh, her opponents out of position. However, when she was playing against Iga Jantek, it seems that she was always playing to her. And at, at the first, I was like, why is she always playing to Iga Jantek? And then I realized that it was not Anjabur, like being poor uh, tactically. It was Iga Jantek's ability to move so fast that it felt like there was no room on the court. And I think that's how players are getting very frustrated. And even when she is defending, it's so funny to watch her because you can tell that she is like still close enough to the line um, to make it like has it is um, it is a counter punch. Like she is not actually defending; she's playing a shot to get back in the aggressive mode. Um, so that that's quite uh, that's quite interesting. In uh, in the terms of uh, of their speed, and when you watch also Iga Jantek training, you can see that she's also very f- much focusing on the ability of being fast and fast training. Also, a lot of jumping, uh, jump sorry, and, and and she's very able to like being very very fast. And then I think this is something you really want to take into consideration when you are building your game. It's okay. How is my physical training is going to be uh, in accordance to to the game that I'm trying to develop? What are the, the drills that I really need to become good at in order to to serve my game better? If you are someone who stays you know four meter behind the baseline, well, you, of course you will you will work on your cardio. All players need to work on their cardio, but you know there there will be some specific um some uh, specifics. 
whether you are, you know, depending on your, on your game style. So that's really the main point that I want you to focus on, the first one. And then the second will be how to find the mental resources when you are losing. When we watched uh, the final of um, Carlos Alcaraz against Casper uh, Ruud, I think all observers uh, realized one thing. It was the, the willingness of Alcaraz to come to the net to use the serve and volley a lot uh, during that game and during that match it was it was quite it was quite uh, again striking and uh, when you listen to the the press conferences after the match whether it's from Alcaraz or Juan Carlos Ferrero you realize that it was part of a plan they they say that okay we know that um, Kasper Ruud uh, returns quite far from from his baseline so that could be actually something to to use to um, to to just um, unsettle him and, and also let's be frank uh, Alcaraz is a machine physically but he was tired and I think this was something that um, was quite interesting to see is that of course he was exhausted I mean you could tell quite quickly that he didn't have as much energy um, as in the prior in his prior matches however he didn't let that deter him because like you said I had one more match I'm going to give everything I have and you can see that this is exactly what he did uh, he, he came to the net in a very aggressive way so even his plan B was quite impressive in the sense that he kept in mind what he wanted to do was to always be aggressive and yes he was tired but he was not going to let that um, prevent him from winning the match and he decided that okay coming to the net might not be the most natural thing for me, I mean, he's a great ball, he's really great at the net. I mean, I, I wish all top 10 players could volley like him. But what I'm trying to say is that he said, OK, that's definitely not what he does the most. But he said, OK, I'm going to stick to this. And because I'm so confident in my game, I'm going to do that. And, and that was quite, uh, that was super impressive. And, and kudos to him that he has the maturity at 19 to be able to, to be so confident to do that on the bigger stage um, of tennis. For Iga Zviantek, it's, uh, it's also very similar that you, you can tell whenever she is in a difficult uh, situation, she has this um, refusal of losing. And you can really see that on her face. It's, uh, it's quite, um, it's quite uh, shocking, not shocking, but it's quite impressive because when she was in the second set, I mean, she, she was supposed to win that, that game easily because she was 6-2, up. And then, you know, and Angela starting to play a bit better. But what I'm trying to say is that even when things starting to not to go away, I mean, I don't know about you guys, but I was watching and I felt like there was nothing that would prevent her from winning that match. I think that even if there was a third set, she was going to win it. it, it it's, it's really impressive to see how confident she is and how able she is to, to raise her, to raise her level and her intensity whenever she is um she's down and that's that's really the thing that she she was doing and she's also able to to deal with the anxiety to deal with the stress to play the right shot at the right time and when she is like down she's she start to execute to be more aggressive because she knows that's the shot that she's able to to do it's very similar to she she really um 
like she said, she her, her idol is is Rafa Nadal, and you can really tell that she she goes Rafa mode when in, in those moments, and that's why she it makes her so tough and 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 hard to beat because she she's not afraid to play the right shot at full capacity when she is uh, she's down. So so that's again something very similar from from these two um, that I think makes them very special. And then um, the third point will be uh, what are the key elements to consider when you're building uh, your team, you know, when you, when you want to be a, um, a great tennis player. One of the things that I always talk about is your surrounding. It's how important it is to have the right team with you when you have big ambitions to, to play on tour. And uh, again, if you, if you look at these two, it, it's, uh, it's quite uh, almost amusing to see how great their teams are and I'll start with um, Alcaraz I think it was uh, Rublev who was saying a couple of weeks ago that it's um, that Juan Carlos Ferro is definitely and without a doubt the perfect coach for for Alcaraz and they are the perfect combination and I and I want to dig a bit deeper on that and I agree 100% because first of all Juan Carlos Ferrero um, was number one in the world, won a Grand Slam. So in terms of credibility, it's already huge because he knows exactly what it is to, to be in that position, what it is to, to win a Grand Slam, what it is to, to be number one. And, um, and also, he started to work with Alcaraz when he was 15. And 15 is the perfect age to be mentored because it's really the, the time when you are starting to to go on tour and to and to play those tournaments. So having the right approach from the beginning, the right mindset, uh, avoids you, prevents you from making like the mistakes that you know we all make when we start to play on tour, and to have really that guidance from from someone else, some, for someone who's already. Uh, walk that path it's really 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 helpful and and you can tell how um how much um Alcaraz trusts Ferrero and then how much he's using his experience in order to to kind of um go a bit faster I've already spoken about um how it was something similar for um Sasha Zverev and how you know being able to travel with his brother uh, Misha was was such a good um, a good thing for him. Um, one of the best example, if not the best, of course, will be Serena Williams, who who had a chance to to witness um, Venus' uh, first step on tour, and and how it's helpful for for people who are following when they have like such great models um, that walk the the path before them. So that that is, and also when it comes to Juan Carlos Ferrero, I think that there is also something else to consider: the fact that he was number one in the world, and then he won a Grand Slam, and that he didn't win more. And of course, uh, his career uh, was amazing. What I'm trying to say is that I'm pretty sure when I when I listen to Carlos Ferrero, I'm pretty sure that he also had the intelligence to go back and say, okay, this is what I missed and this is why I didn't win more Grand Slam and this are, according to me, what are the things that we need to do in order to keep him focused because when you watch Alcaraz play, you, you see that there's, of course, the, the, um, the calmness and, and, and being cold-blooded in those very tough moments 
That's what Ferrero was saying in the press conference. That's something very similar that he had when he was a player. But you can also think that you can also see that he added some stuff. Um, Alcaraz is a natural aggressive player, but you can. You, I'm pretty sure that you, that uh, Ferrero was was able to say, okay, this is what I could have done better, and I'm gonna give that to him. So that's very amazing. And also on his team, he has um, I mentioned him before, Albert Molina, who was the agent of uh, David Ferrer. So this guy knows exactly how to deal with the press, how to deal with all the the um, the requests for you know the the media and everything. So they know already how to deal with a high level of pressure, high level of success, and that and that's why to me it's so amazing to have um, such a team because you can you can see it's very like the this kind of a, a clan. Um, that they able to to build and uh, very similar to to of course Rafa Nadal but maybe a bit smaller but this idea that everyone has a everyone has a very specific role and everyone is able to execute at the highest level in his field and that's that's why he's so is so successful same thing with Iga Ziantek. Uh, she has on the side um, a psychologist, uh, Daya Abramovic. Uh, Iga Zjantik really changed the game in the sense that she was one of the first ones who say, okay, look, I'm traveling with my psychologist and so what? And uh, she's helping me a lot to perform. And you can really tell. I mean, when I see her, I don't see a, when I see Daya Abramovic on, in the box of Iga Zjantik, I don't see a psychologist. I see literally like a bodyguard. You can feel that, uh, that she built a structure, um, you know, around Iga Zjantek, like mental structure that she she helped her become so um, so strong and so you know able to deal with uh, the high pressure situation. Um, the team also that she has, you know, they're helping her, and you can see that she's she's often like, when she's like warming up, she's doing it with, you know, a physical coach. She's do is doing the is doing the work with her, and I think that's something that's something that is quite important because. Of course, you want to you want to make sure that when you are working with uh, with people, they are the best in their field and that are able to do to do things with you. It gives again credibility. And when you have all this, what it does is that it creates a lot of trust. And when you have trust uh, in the people you're working with, while well, you are able, you have clarity, and it helps you to to play and to focus on just executing and and to be and to be willing to reach your full potential. So I think that's why um, these two are, are so successful. They have highly competent people around them that know exactly what to do in order to make sure that they are performant. And they are always, and they are had, uh, um, they are accustomed to a high level of success. So they are not going to lose their head. They're not, they are not going to, to get all crazy and, and all, um, you know, how can I say, all uh, yeah, all crazy about the success, and they're gonna remain humble. So that's something that is key and so important to to keep in mind when you are building your team. And um, and I also want to to mention you know the families in of those two players. Um, you can see that uh, the the families are. It seems at least I don't know them personally, but from from the outside, it seems that the parents of both players are there just to be parents, which is super hard in the tennis world because we know how parents get involved and, and mixed and, and how it is complicated with the coaches, but you can feel that they are here to support. They're not here to coach, they trust the team, and they're here to, to be 
fully uh, supportive and to be parents, which is huge and which is so important to keep the emotional balance of players. So that's something that I really have noticed and I think that is so important and to, to keep in mind when you, when you are trying to build your team. Now you're going to tell me, okay, Jennifer, that's really nice, but how uh, do I do when I don't have a, a former number one player in the world in my box or when I don't have an elite psychologist? Well, I, I will... Uh, do an episode on on how to pick the right the right coach, but the first thing that I can say right now is that one of the, the two questions that you want to ask when you before you start working with anyone is 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 the following. Number one is do we have the same values? Do we share the same values? It's something that's so important because you want to make sure that you will get along with that person, not just only on the court but outside. And traveling is a big part of um, being a tennis player so if you don't like your 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 coach if you if you're not able to find some common grounds it's going to be complicated and the second question is that is my coach supporting my ambition and that might be there is two two schools uh when it comes to this question some of people will tell you oh come on well what if a kid who cannot play tennis comes to me and, and tells me that well i want to be number one in the world well, I, I'm a bit extreme on this, but I'm like, okay, and whatever. If someone wants to achieve something, who am I to say no? And that's something I'm very careful, and it's something that, uh, to be honest, uh, I wish, this is probably my biggest regret, that, I've, that I let people in security kind of blur my, my ambitions. And, um, and that's why I think that, you really want to, to have people who are like able to say, okay, you have this ambition, let's go get that goal. This is what you need to do. So that, that's something that is quite important, I think, to, in order to build a team. Then I will, I will move on to how to increase your competitive instinct. When it comes to Iga Jantek and um, Carlos Alcaraz, one of the things that is quite um, striking is how good they are um, in matches. And um, they both share this, this thing of like being better in matches, um, you know, than practice. And a lot of, of players, tennis players are better at practice than in matches. And um, so when you listen to Carlos Ferrer, he, he said, okay, he was a natural ball uh, competitor. He really loves competing and he has a very healthy approach to the game. And then he's, he's eager to go there. He's eager to play big shots. He's, he really wants to create he, so that's something I would say is quite natural. When it comes to Iga Jantek, uh, it's, it's very similar. It, she, according to, I don't know if it's her current coach or former coach, but I was reading that he was saying that um, she gets quite bored when she's uh, practicing, but she really enjoys the competition. So being like a, a natural born competitor is something that, of course, will help you to to reach those goals and to and to really be um, eager to to go for your shots when it's um, when it's needed and etc etc. But if that's not your case, if you feel anxious, if you are not the most um, at ease when it comes to the competition, you have a lot of stress. It, it's usually for the following reason: it's because you put way more importance to to the um, to the result, and uh, you are so focused on the result and and the, and your fear of losing that it prevents you from performing so the the key to that is to really focus on on um, 
play or objective rather than you know result and uh and that's why it's also very important to have the right team around you because i know exactly how it is when uh, you start losing and then it can be the parents becoming a bit tense uh the coaches and it creates that doubt and that stress that prevents the player to perform at, at uh, his best or at her best so that's why it is so important to make sure that in the team everyone has his role or role very clear and that um, we are all on the same wavelength and that when it gets tough uh, we are a team and we support each other to make sure that you will get to where you need to be and that we will we'll be able to to kind of you know not let doubt creep in that's the that's the hardest as a as a tennis player um, but these two are, are able to do that very, very nice, very nicely. And then, then you want to work on your, on your, you know, on, on your strong um, game plays. Uh, you can tell that you know they are very clear of their about their tennis identity, and also you can tell that um, when you get stuff, they know exactly what to do. So that's something you want to do when you practice. You work on, you know, the, the what your, your strongest shoot, if I, if I may say. And then also uh, say, okay, well, I can also try that, you know, when I'm in tough situations, when I'm playing practice matches and, you know, things get tough. Why would I try this to just, you know, um, mix it up a little and then really work on that. So when you're in play, when you're in playing a match, you, you feel that, okay, I know I can do that. I'm used to do this and I'm able to do that. So that's something you want to do. Then I will, um, I will move on to, to the next point, which is, how to turn your vulnerability into strength. And that's something that uh, might sound very contradictory to the tennis world because we know that uh, tennis players, we never share you know, our vulnerabilities. The whole game is a mental game and it's based on the fact that we are trying to always find the weakness of our opponent in order to expose it and to use that. And we also do that you know, um, outside the court. It's always this mental game that we're always trying to to do to find uh, other people's weaknesses. But what, what is, is very um, interesting with uh, Jean Tech and, and Alcaraz is that uh, they, they do what I like to call, you know, I mean, actually it's not me, but I've heard that before, but it's kind of the, the Eminem strategy, you know, in an eight mile when at the end of the last battle, uh, Eminem starts and uh, freestyling and then he actually makes fun of himself and he talks about the trader, about the mom and everything. So when the, when the other guy has to, to start his battle, he ha- he's out of things because Eminem has already put everything out there. So there's actually no more room to expose him. And I think this is something that they, I'm sure they're not conscious of that. They're not thinking about Eminem when they, when they do that. But Alcaraz and Esjantec uh, are very good at that. Um, I'll start with, with uh, Esjantec. She's really good at that in the sense that uh, you can tell that she's a very anxious person. It's very simple. Uh, when she's uh, doing on-court interview, she actually makes me nervous because she's she, she's always agitated. It's 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 really weird how like, it feels like she's she's always on the on the verge of of breaking. Um, but then when you see her like a couple of minutes later at the press conference, she's already she's calmed down and she very she's very collected in her answers. She's excited, but but you can tell that she's at ease and it it's quite interesting. So. She talked about that and how anxious she was. She's very open about mental, about the mental state. But what she also 
is saying is that because she has, you know, a, a coach with her and also because she said that now she's able to, she has the tools uh, to, that help her in order to, to, do what, to know what to do when, when the stress comes. She, she's able to deal with it better and actually it makes her stronger. Um, I've seen that uh, one of the things that she does in her training is that she, she has actually machines that are um, measuring her, her brain activity to monitor and anxiety and in order to find solutions to, to make her better. So that's something that is so great. And the fact that she's using uh, a vulnerability, say, okay, yes, I have anxiety. Yes, sometimes I'm anxious. But hey, you know what? I've said it. And this is what I'm going to do. And I know and I'm convinced. And that's the very important part. Part. I'm convinced that I will find the solutions in order to, to get better. And that's, that's what I like about her is that she's, she's always very, you know, eager to say, okay, well, there's a problem. I will find a solution. Very solution-oriented. And uh, with Alcaraz, it was it's something similar. After Cincinnati, he said, um, you know what? I lost the joy. And which is a very big component of, of his game and, and his approach. And he said, that, you know, I, I felt the pressure. For the first time, I felt pressure and I lost the joy. And I love that. When I saw that, oh my gosh, he's going to be so good. And people were like, why are you saying this? Because he's not afraid to... And I, make the, and I directly made the, the comparison with um, Iga Jantek. Because I said, well, he's not afraid to discuss that he's afraid or that he felt the pressure. Now it means that he's going to find solutions in order to, to get rid of it. And that was something that I found uh, also super cool about him is that, okay. And then he said, okay, well, I spoke with uh, Juan Carlos and he told me that, okay, we're going to practice and, and we are going to do drills that uh, whenever you have a short ball, come to the net. Let's just mix it up. Let's twist things a little. And, and again... The experience of someone who's been number one in the world is so important and he knew exactly what to do. He didn't tell him, oh, you shouldn't be, ash- should be ashamed. Like we hear sometimes, oh, pressure is a privilege. Yeah, okay, I get all this thing. But sometimes what I found a bit irritating is that you have all those really big phrases, but there's nothing behind it. It's just like, okay, you have to accept it like this, but how... how pressure becomes a privilege how pressure becomes something that is empowering instead of something that is um debilitating and this is something what i think is lacking and it's also why i'm doing this podcast because i really think that we need to cut the bs and then sometimes say okay you know what people are scared it's normal to be scared okay now that we say that okay no biggie how do we do that what do we do instead of just saying okay no only it's the weak uh, feel pressure and, and the rest is tough, not as BS. So, and we saw that it's working with this too. Um, so that's, that's what you want to do. If you feel something, you, you want to share that again with the right people of your team or someone you think that really can help, help you find solutions. And uh, the last bonus that I wanted to share, it's really about their, something about their personality. I think that um, Iga Jantek and, and Carlos Alcaraz are very simple people. And they are immune to distraction. What I mean by that, and, and, it's, and it's really why I think they're going to dominate the, the sport for, for so long. What we see is that a lot of players, when they win a Grand Slam, when they, they reach something, 
they get distracted by, you know, the media, the brand endorsement, all those things. And I don't blame them because in the world we live in, of course, it's exciting and I don't know how we react. And I think when people say, oh, you should focus on your tennis, I'm like, okay, yeah, well, I will, I, I'm sure that when you were that age, you would have done the same. But people like to pretend that they are better than everyone. Uh, so that, So I'm not taking a jab at anyone here. I'm saying that, yeah, it's normal. But these two, are very simple when you when you start to dig a bit into their life or you you watch them and how they approach things you realize that they're quite very simple or very humble very very humble in terms of how they live their life their lives when it comes to okay let's start with with Carlos Lacaz uh is this guy coming from a small town and he's okay uh very simple he lives he still will live with his parents and he just uh wants to hang out with his friends basically you don't see him like going crazy maybe it's gonna change but I don't think it will with the team that he has around him I I, I highly doubt it but and and then also is uh he says that okay well he likes to to play to play chess uh which is a very relaxing game and calming so that's why you can see also his ability to to, to be very good with strategy, to think ahead. When you watch him play, you can, it's not just like someone who, who just, um, how can I say, plays in a kind of um, stereotype, stereotype, stereotype way. Um, it's, it's creating, it's constantly creating. That's why it's so exciting to watch. You never know what's going to happen with him. And I think the chess part of him is really helping in that. And then when you look at Igor Giantek, it's the same thing. Uh, this is someone who's like, okay, saying that when her friends were going to parties, she, she was staying home and because she would rather stay home and, and read. Um, that's very uncommon uh, for youngsters the, nowadays to mention. And I think that it gives her a structure, okay, to, to do that. And also she said that uh, before matches, she, she plays Lego. That was introduced by, again, uh, a psychologist. And um, both players also nap before the matches and they have this very uh, emotionally balanced life which is helping them to perform at their best uh, and also another thing about Iga Giantek when she's when she reached um, number one uh, the one number one spot for the first time in one starting winning grand slams again Daya Abramovic was like okay let's this is going to be part of it we need to analyze and to discuss how you're going to deal with it, how you're going to deal with the, the media and the, the, the endorsement and everything. And then they were able to find the balance. And then so, so all this kind of glittery life is not taking over the tennis life. And I think that was genius. And we can say it's working perfectly. All right, folks, that's it for, for today. And uh, I really wanted to, to dig a bit deeper into, um, in, into these two because I think they are great. And, uh, and I really enjoy that, that thing. I, I call them the, the sweet killers uh, in the title because I really think that they are so good at executing and they have this cold-blooded uh, attitude on the court, although they have a lot of energy, but they know exactly how to execute well on, on pressure. However, you can tell that they are like... I mean, they seem to be very sweet people and very kind and, and, they, and they have this joy, you know, uh, when they play. You, you, you can see that, especially with Alcaraz, always 
happy, always playful, and and same with Igajan Tech. Uh, you can also like feel excited about things, and and I and I really I really like that, and I think it's very exciting for the sport. If you like this episode again, uh, don't hesitate to subscribe or to share this with with someone. And uh, until next time, I wish you the best, and I hope that uh, you have a, a great day and a great weekend. Bye.